each one of us have thoughts come to our mind that trouble us and cause us to be fearful. We have to learn how to deal with these thoughts in a spiritual way. The people of the world will clean out closets to try to forget their thoughts, or they go out and shoot basketballs, or they do something physical to try to get rid of those fearful thoughts. But we who are of God need to deal with our thoughts in a spiritual way. I'll give you several different directions to go with this subject, all of which are spiritual. There are sometimes we will have thoughts that would steal from us come because of the Word of God. Because God has brought us the Word and the devil brings exactly the opposite to try to get us to go in the opposite way. Sometimes we have thoughts come to us which are our own desires and they have to be uprooted. We might, well, I'll give you a personal example on this. Almost everybody marries and it's meant for them to marry. In my case, I had a call of God on my life, a strong call of God on my life. I was even taken into heaven twice after I was born again. I was made one with the Word of God both of those times, with God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. I was made one with Jesus. I had this strong call of God on my life, and I didn't know it. But eventually it became known through the spiritual gifts God gave me when I shared those gifts with the church. They invariably said, we know the hand of God is strongly upon you. The only thing I can say, and I I think this is correct, is it was not God's will for me to marry. Even though I wanted to marry, I was very depressed in the early years of being a Christian because I wanted to marry, and I was not getting what I wanted. I was attending Word of Faith Church at that time, and really we weren't taught to pray according to the will of God. We were taught to find a scripture to stand on, and if we could find a scripture to justify that which we wanted, then we claimed that scripture over our lives. Well, I quickly found a scripture that uh, gave me the right to marry. It is in, I believe, Isaiah, and it says, None shall want her mate. And I wrote it in the front of my Bible, along with many other scriptures, and I claimed it every day, and I prayed over it every morning, and it didn't come to pass, and it was very depressing when my prayer didn't come to pass. Well, in this case, looking back on it, I believe that it was God's will for me not to marry. Uh, I was going to do some very heavy level work in the church in the sense of a prophet. Correcting ministers, correcting pastors, correcting churches, correcting church people, doing some things that were almost unheard of in today's church 
though they are throughout the Bible, you'll see examples of prophets doing these things. I was going to have to be strong and stand in God and not depend on humans. I was engaged in, um, oh, I was in my late 60s, and this man said to me, well, you won't be having to go down on the street and speak to people, will you? I said, oh, I hope not. <laughs> I'm not an evangelist. But anyway, I, looking back on it, uh, Howard and I broke up about two months before we were to marry. Looking back on it, it would have been disastrous had I married him, I think, because he wanted everything to be approved by other humans. Well, a prophet is anything but approved by other humans. And I think I would have had a very difficult time doing and saying the things that God had me do and say. So looking back on it, I can see it was so much better for me not to have married. But when you're younger and don't get to marry, it's really hard. God can pull you through it, however, and if you will pray asking God for help to help you to go in the way of God, it, you'll be fine. I didn't even know to pray that when I was a new Christian. I was just fighting to get what I wanted, which was to marry. So these things can be very helpful in the beginning if you'll just start out knowing that if we pray according to the will of God for us, it will be heard by God and answered by God. We don't have to have everybody in the church pray for us to have our prayer answered. First John chapter 5. And this is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So praying according to the will of God for your life. There was a man one time who visited me in Lubbock, Texas, where I used to live. He came there because he wanted to get a job at Texas Tech. And he asked me to pray for him to get that job. Well, I was a little more mature then than I was when I first started out as a Christian. I told him I wouldn't pray for him to get the job because I did not know if that was the will of God for him. See, if you pray something that isn't the will of God for you, it can really damage your faith in God and your faith in prayer. If we pray anything that's according to the will of God for us, we, we can see in this scripture that we have confidence and assurance that God will do that thing. So we want, don't want to set ourselves up to destroy our faith in God. There was a situation where a young friend of mine, he was 44 at the time, and I was uh, more like 71. Anyway, uh, he was diagnosed with ALS. He was married and had two children at the time he was diagnosed. Of course, I prayed for God to heal David. But then God gave me an open vision about David. And in that open vision, I saw David 
on a golf course. David liked to play golf, but he was totally paralyzed with ALS. I saw him on a golf course, and he was jumping up and down with great joy, and he was waving his hand like, come on, come on, this is great, follow me, come on, join me. But he wasn't talking about golf. I was sure that David, that God was showing me David would die. But his spiritual condition was okay. A friend of his from the church he attended said to me, well, don't you think that vision means that David will be healed? And I said, no, David will die. But his spiritual condition is fine. And sure enough, about a week later, David died. See, it would, was not going to happen that David would live. I'm sure many in his faith group who had prayed for him to live were saying, well, why didn't my prayer get answered? Why didn't God answer my prayer? In this case, David was going to die. I can't give you reasons. Nobody can give you reasons. But you have to simply know that God will do that which is according to his own will in our lives. But if we pray according to his will, that thing will happen for us. So dealing with destructive thoughts could sometimes come from our own desire, which we have not been able to get a prayer answered over. So you have to kind of start there. And you have to learn to say, when you pray, thy will be done. Because we don't know what's best for us. God knows what's best for us. And when we have more experience with God, we will come to an understanding that it is God who knows what his will is for our life. So we can pray something, but we say, not my will, but thy will be done. If it be your will, please allow this to happen in my life. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. That won't steal your faith. That will put your faith in the will of God. And it will help you to see that God is in control of you. And God always makes it work out for good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And when you are praying according to the will of God, you must understand this also. Sometimes the prayer is answered immediately, and other times we have to wait. And as we wait, we have to cling to the word that we believe to have been from God concerning the matter at hand. And in time, I found the prayer comes to pass when it is the will of God. Always comes to pass when it's the will of God. But sometimes you have to wait. So don't be too impatient. Just ask God if you're having to wait. Just ask God to give you strength to endure. 
In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief, the devil, comes to hurt us, to take away from us the things God would give us. Jesus said, But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. To us, it might seem less abundant, but when we look back on it, we realize that which Jesus gave us, or God gave us, is actually a more abundant life than we would have chosen for ourselves. John chapter 8, verse 31 Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, that is, holding fast to the word, doing what it says to do, and continue doing it, keep doing it, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you continue in his word, those of us who really belong to God fight to continue in his word that he has given to us. It is often a fight. For the devil will try to pull us off of that word with his thoughts. Other people may fight us trying to pull us off that word. We have to continue holding fast to that which God has given us and has said to us regardless of anything else that might happen. There's an example of, I believe it was Jacob who wrestled with the angel. And he said, I won't let you go lest you bless me. He held on to the thing of God. And that's a good example. You have to do that with the word of God, even when it doesn't appear to be coming to pass. If it is the word of God, eventually it will come to pass. Just hold on to it. Now to the children of the devil, Jesus said, John chapter 8, verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Think about this. God gives you a word. The devil tells you exactly the opposite. Very often we can take that to mean that's the devil who's telling us exactly the opposite to the word of God. And if we are of God, we resist that word brought to the devil and cling to the word given by God. James chapter 4 verse 6. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Humble yourself before God. Pray. Pray over the situation. And then resist the devil with that word that God has given you concerning the matter at hand. So this James chapter 4 says, God resisteth the proud, but give us grace unto the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. 
Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil with the word that is given to you by God. I saw a woman in our church group who tried to resist the devil of her own strength. I was horrified. I didn't realize she was doing that or trying to do that. She was just standing up and talking to the devil. Instead of turning to God and resisting the devil by doing the word God gave her, she eventually was swept away from our group. It, it was a tragic thing to me. So you don't, you're not strong in yourself. It's not a self-will. You're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Turn to God in prayer. Ask him to help you. Depend on him to deliver you from temptations. Depend on him to show you what to do that you can endure. It, our strength is in God, not in ourself. Even though we hold fast to scripture or to the word given us by God. So it, it says in James 4, draw nigh to God, pull near him in prayer. Come to him pouring your heart out before him. Ask him what to do, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands by choosing the word given you by God. And James said, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. There is a scripture in Psalm 51, which I think it was David who prayed this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's in Psalm 51. I've often prayed that. If you are in envy or strife with anyone, it's very, very hard to go in the will of God. First, you need to humble yourself and ask that God would cleanse your heart. For where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. James 3, uh, that's in James 3. So if you're in the midst of a temptation, ask God for wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. James 1, 5. That giveth to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. 1 Peter 1, 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Turn to him in prayer, Peter's saying that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It is the nature of a lion to hunt prey so that he can eat the prey. The devil does the same thing as a roaring lion. He brings these thoughts to our minds to destroy us. And it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith? Steadfast in the faith given you by God, in the word given you by God, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all of grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, we have suffered a little, a while. 
make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. You may have to endure for a while. And that is just simply calling on God to help you in the midst of the time while you're waiting. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Now the knowledge of God is an overall knowledge that he will take us in the way that is best for us. The knowledge of God. It can be also the knowledge of a word given to you by God. But you have to cast down those imaginations that take you in an opposite way. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ the Word. The minute you recognize that you're pulled down a little, that you're just a little bit down, stop and pray. Something pulled you down. It could be something you saw on television where a seed was planted that was basically telling you you're not going to get what you want. It might be just a simple thing like that. It could be a word spoken by someone else. But you have to stop when you recognize that you're down, that you're being pulled down, or have been pulled down, and you have to turn to God asking Him for help. And then you rejoice in whatever God shows you after that. God knows how to help each one of us. He can bring a scripture to our mind. He can bring to our mind something that he has done for us in the past. He can help us. He will help us when you pray, when you ask him. Concerning the word being stolen from us, this is the primary thing the devil does. What we have to do to keep this from happening is meditate on that word, focus on that word. Keep it in front of us until it becomes a part of us and we actually can do it. But if you don't meditate on it or think upon it in a serious way and do the word, it's likely going to be stolen from you. Mark chapter 4, the sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately, they receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Uh, There was a young man in the Philippines who wrote to me and wanted me to come speak to his church groups and the ministers. He had heard me speak a message concerning 
Ministers should not be calling themselves reverend. It's not in the Bible for a minister to do that. Holy and reverend is God's name. To call yourself apostle, that is, that is what Paul did because that's what he was appointed to be. He was appointed by God to be an apostle. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry that Jesus gave for the work of the ministry. So that's very proper to identify yourself in those ministry offices. But to call yourself reverend is to set yourself up as an idol in front of the church. The first time I ever had this call to my attention, I was on radio in the 1980s. One of the, a woman came to me after one of my meetings, uh, public meetings, and she said, I'm one of your fans on radio. And she said, what do we call you, Reverend? And I said, oh, no. I'd never even thought of the subject before, but I knew instantly that was wrong. I said, oh, no, just call me Joan, just like you call Paul, Paul. Now, it's all right to call yourself by the ministry office, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That just identifies the type of work that you do in the church. But to call yourself reverend is to make yourself as an idol before the church. Well, this is the message this young man in the Philippines had given to his church group, and they just went wild. They were so against the message. He contacted me, and he said they all. T- he said they ordered me to move out of the church housing. They owned housing for the ministers to live in, and they commanded him to move out of the housing and depart from them within a week. He had a wife and t- a child. And he had never worked at a secular job, as far as I know. He told me he had been living on church property since he was 18. I told him, I said, well, do like Paul did. Go get you a secular job and preach in the spare time, just like Paul did. Paul was a tent maker. That's how he earned his living. He did not do that. This young man did not do that. I didn't hear from him again for about three years, and then he sent me an email telling me that an earthquake had struck the property and destroyed all their houses, and he wanted me to send money, which I did not do. I think his life would have been very different if he had gone out and gotten a secular job and supported himself and his children and his child and his wife if he had supported himself and turned from that church group and held on to what he knew to be truth from God. For he knew the message I spoke about Reverend was truth. He said, oh, they just love to call themselves Reverend. If he had held on to that, I think he would have been fine. But he he showed by his works he did not. So, They endure for a time, but then afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Mark 4. And these are they uh, that are sown among thorns. Some people depart from the word and let the word be choked to death, like a flower in a garden of thorns. Verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, 
and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. So we have to hold on to the word of God. We prepare our hearts by thinking on the word of God and holding on to that which is right in the sight of God. Verse 20, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some an hundred. We bring forth fruit by taking that word of God and thinking on it and doing it and keeping that word of God before us. And it take, may take months before you really have the word of God planted deeply in you where it can arise up to fight and cause you to do that which is right in the sight of God. Several years ago, I was reading the Bible and noticed Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I began thinking about that scripture. My words that I speak should be edifying, causing you to turn to God, causing others to turn to God, causing them to think upon God. I was tested on this in about three days' time. I had kept that word before me for about three days, and then I was tested. I was visiting in my at my neighbor's house during a presidential election year in the United States, I'm very non-political, but that particular year, the election was more interesting to me than previous years. As I sat there with my neighbors, I wanted to say, and what do you think about the election? There was something else I had been doing also. I had been watching the newscast about the election more than usual, and I know it had stirred me up. But I'd also been meditating on this scripture, so it was like a dogfight. The newscast on the election were fighting the scripture. It was such a strong desire, it surprised me. The strength of this desire to say, and what do you think about the election, when I'm not even political. I'm not even registered with either party, and I don't vote. I'm not commanded by God to vote. I sometimes pray for whoever is president because it says to do pray for the kings and those in authority, but I don't vote. So here is a real struggle going on. Finally, I just got up and left their house. Job once said, I'll just put my hand over my mouth to keep from speaking. Sometimes that desire is so strong to speak that thing which would not be good to speak. And it certainly wouldn't be good to speak, what do you think about the election? That's just loosing the fires of hell into the room. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
I've had people speak things to me that caused me great grief for no real reason. I don't want to do that to other people. I've had times when I had to stop myself from speaking some fleshly thing because I didn't want to harm that other person. So we must control our tongue. James chapter 1 says that if any man among you seem to be religious and bridle is not his tongue, his religion is in vain. We don't want to hurt that other person. Well, we meditate on Scripture in a, to enable us to do the Scripture so that it might rule over us in these situations. Here is a Scripture God used with me as a new Christian, and I thought upon this Scripture, oh, it must have been for months and months and months. Only be thou very strong and very courageous, Joshua chapter 1, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Now we don't do the law of Moses today, but we do the rules of the New Testament Bible. We do the word of God. Sometimes it's in the Old Testament, but we don't sacrifice animals as in the law of Moses. But we don't turn, he says, turn not from the word to the right hand or the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Cling to that word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Do one scripture at a time, one scripture at a time. It will definitely put you in a place of success for sure. Have not I commanded thee, said God? Think about it. Is that what I am doing right now? Has God told me to do this? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Doing the will of God, seeking the will of God, praying in the midst of temptations, clinging to the word of God, taking the word of God sort of like one, uh, like there's a path through an area, one step at a time. It's like stepping stones. These scriptures and the word of God are like stepping stones where you do it for a while, and then you're given another scripture or stepping stone, and you do it, and you just keep following the rest of your life, whatever the most recent thing given to you by God is, or if he has you return to something and do that again, that's from the Bible or a word from God. We deal with destructive thoughts through his strength through calling on God when we have a thought of fear, pouring it out before God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is very, very important for us. Is there anything right now that you fear? Is there anything you dread? If so, it tells me you have not prayed about this. Philippians 
chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Everything. Pray over everything. If you're fearful over anything, stop right now and turn to God with that fear. Pour out your heart before God. Let your request be made known to God. What do you want him to do for you? Please help me with this. My cousin was raised in Church of Christ. She went to Church of Christ, was taken there even as a baby, and she always went to Church of Christ. She was 97 years old, and she told me, I do very well during the day, but I get so lonely in the evenings. Her husband had died 10 years before. And she said, I think of Charles in the evenings. I get so lonely. And I said, oh, well, if you would just turn to God when that happens and ask God for help, he will help you. The next time I talked to my cousin, she said, I do very well during the day, but I get so lonely in the evenings. See, she didn't do the Word of God. She attended church, but she didn't do the Word of God. And when she was confronted with the Word of God, she wouldn't do the Word of God. I don't think she was born again. I don't think she was a real Christian. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We must do these scriptures. This is Joan Boney speaking. Everything I've spoken today is written for you on our blog under podcast. If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, on the right-hand side of the page you'll see podcast. Click on podcast and then click on this specific podcast, which is Taking Thoughts Captive. Click on that, and every scripture that I've spoken will be there. Plus, you can rehear this broadcast if you need to. Again, the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.